0: Well, good morning. My name's Eric. Thank you. The uh, Old Testament reading is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God Was hovering over the waters. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Pam. Hello, everyone. (laughs) The New Testament reading is found in Acts 1, verse 8. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Belén. If you are able, please stand for the Gospel reading found in John 7:37 to 39. I'll be reading in Spanish, but the words in English will be on the screen. En el último día, el más solemne de la fiesta, Jesús se puso de pie y exclamó: Si alguno tiene sed, Que venga a mi y beba. De aquel que cree en mi, como dice la escritura, brotarán rios de agua viva. Con esto se refería al espíritu que habrían de recibir más tarde los que creyeran en él. Hasta ese momento el espíritu no había sido dado porque Jesús no había sido glorificado todavía. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Let's remain standing. Uh, during the season of Easter tide this kind of season of seven Sundays during the Easter season we're saying the apostles creed together one of the ancient christian confessions of faith so join me as we say these words words together with faith in our hearts are you ready we believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth we believe in jesus christ his only son our lord he was conceived by the power of the holy spirit And born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody, and once again to all the moms in the room, happy Mother's Day. I hope it's a great day. If there's a mother in your life, let them know how loved. They are. Celebrate them. Yes, moms, this is the moment you can turn to the person you're with and be like, exactly. Make sure it's a, it's a really wonderful, relaxing day. And don't, if, you're, if you're a kid in the room, don't ask your mom for anything today. Go talk to dad. <laughs> hey, before we begin today, I want to um, offer some pastoral reflections on some of the things that were in the news earlier this week. Uh, I don't make it a practice of commenting on everything um, that's going on in our world uh, from the pulpit, mostly because the pulpit is not the place to make political statements. This isn't a political stump. uh, stump. Uh, We're not trying to sort of make um, partisan speeches. And also because the pulpit's not uh, a place, the best place for position statements. Uh, Oftentimes these conversations are complicated and complex and require personal and pastoral conversations at the same time when there are things that are being talked about in our world and in our culture it can feel like um, a strange thing to come to church and feel like are are we living in a bubble uh, unaware of what's going on or what the discussion is that's taking place in the world around us and so I've written it out so forgive me if I'm reading this morning, I am reading Um, uh, forgive me if I look like I'm reading, I am reading Uh, and I want to get these words right because these are delicate things uh, many of you read about the leaked uh, Supreme Court ruling that would reverse Roe v.ersus Wade. And I recognize that in this town, many of you, some of you, uh, have worked hard for that. And there's a bit of joy or ho- hope or, uh, in your heart. But others of you, maybe because of what the reputation can be about the church or about Christians, uh, a ruling like this or a potential ruling like this creates a lot of anxiety and fear and maybe raises questions about uh, the church. We know for all of us here in Colorado that not much may change in the immediate future. But I want to offer a few initial reflections. First of all, anytime anytime we're dealing with public discourse and laws, we are dealing with matters that are often complicated by political identity. It's hard to think about decisions and separate ourselves from our own uh, political opinions. But furthermore, policy decisions don't simply emanate cleanly out of convictions Oftentimes it's more complicated than that. It's been said that every solution to every problem creates new problems. And so every policy decision has ramifications and implications that could create new problems and new dilemmas. As Christians, we want to be sensitive to that. We must listen and learn beyond the situations that we see and experience. Secondly, what I want to say theologically is that as Christians, we confess that part of how we reflect the image of God is by being a life giver. We said the Apostles' Creed this morning, but in the longer creed, the Nicene Creed, it says the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. That means wherever we participate with the creation and cultivation of life in a way that is consistent with the character of God... Revealed in scripture, revealed in Jesus. Whenever we do that, we are cooperating with the creator. And in fact, here we are on Mother's Day celebrating moms. We're recognizing that actually women have a particular way of reflecting the image of God as givers of life. So as Christians, we are champions of this. Champions of life. And in fact, no movement in human history. No movement in human history, no movement in human history has been more consistently and pervasively active in the protection and cultivation of life from the womb to the tomb than the Christian movement. No movement. In fact, the Christian movement introduced two new things into the world, one that came from Jewish roots, the belief that every human is made in the image of God. Christians added to that what Jesus said that not only is every person made in the image of God, but we are to love even our enemies. We're not supposed to only care for the people that are in our in group. And so throughout history, you can look at hospitals and foster care systems and adoption support and welfare and immigration, refugees. I spoke to a friend last week who is a refugee from Ukraine and he's. There's a small church in Germany of 70 people, and they welcomed in 37 refugees, half of them with disabilities, into their church. When Christians are at our best, this is what we do. When Christians are at our best, we are living consistently with the Lord, the giver of life. When we, that's why at New Life, we launched the Dream Centers in Colorado Springs with the Free Women's Clinic years ago. It's why we have Mary's Home, an apartment complex for single moms and their children. It's why, as New Life Downtown, over the course of the last decade, we've come around families that are in struggle with safe families and adoption support and foster care. It's why uh, every summer we participate in Royal Family Kids Camp, where we're able to uh, support kids in in the foster care system. It's why we've rallied around welcoming uh, refugees even in our own city. Because when we are at our best, Christians are champions of life. From the womb to the tomb. But thirdly and pastorally, we want to say to you that wherever you are, this last week, whatever emotions it provoked in you, you are welcome here at New Life Downtown. Maybe you heard the leaked documents and you're unsure about it. It created some anxiety. You are welcome here. Maybe it provoked some shame statistically it's something like one out of four women have had an abortion and maybe you find yourself in that number. I want to say that I'm sorry that the church has not been a safe place for you, a safe place for your story, a safe place for your pain or your shame, whatever you're wrestling with. And I want to say today that God loves you and we love you and you are welcome here. And my charge to us as a church is, may God give us the grace to reflect the image of God by being life givers, with our words, with our love, with our commitment to the flourishing of the world around us. And in the end, the positions that we hold may not matter as much as the posture that we take, the posture of a humble, self-giving servant. Because after all, that is the Lord whom we worship. Christ himself. Amen. Pray with me as we start this morning. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the humble servant, the self-giving, sacrificial lover of our souls. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come even this morning as we open up the scriptures and we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to prepare our hearts, help us to see and hear Jesus and to become more like him, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Early on in the pandemic, our oven went out. And there was supply chain issues. We were missing some sort of something or other, igniter, fuse thing, majig. Uh, not really my area of expertise, but we called a person, and they're like, you're missing this part, and we ordered it, and they're like, sorry, the whole world is short of this part, right, like everything else. And so we waited like six months. I mean, it was okay, because I have a Traeger, so I was able to bake cookies in the Traeger, <laughs> bake bread in the Traeger. I mean, basically a convection oven with some smoked flavor to it, you know. Uh, but this is not a commercial for a Traeger. Now... We finally got the part in, we got our oven fixed, it was working great. We were running it one night we were having company over it and we tried to use the convection setting because that's how you get your potatoes a little extra crispy at the end. And I was trying to and all of a sudden boom, it went off. Lights went off, you heard, we heard a little pop, everything. I'm thinking, what is going on? What, we just got our oven fixed. So we figured out something, went out to the breaker, flipped it back on, it was okay. And then we started running it again. Boom, it went off. I thought, oh, this is crazy. So I, t- I turned once again to the Traeger and it came through for me. Now... Fast forward several months later, we're trying to use the convection oven again, same thing. Boom, it goes off. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with my oven? And then I go out to the breaker thing, and this time I'm actually reading all the labels, not just looking for the one that's been tripped. And I recognize that there's a breaker that says oven on it, and it's a 40-amp breaker, and it's on. It has not tripped. And the one that has tripped that I've been flipping back on is a 20-amp breaker. Now, I don't know much, but I do know if something says oven, that's the one that should be tripping. But it was the other breaker that was tripping. And I realized my problem was not the oven, but the power source I was trying to plug it into. Now, if you're an electrician, I still have a problem. I don't know how to rewire the thing. The plug that the oven's going into is a 20-amp plug. It needs a 40-amp. I, I don't know. But I do, I do know that the problem was not with the appliance, but with the power source I was attempting to use to power it. Now, we've been in this series called Who is God?, and we spent several weeks talking about God the Father. We spent several weeks talking about God the Son. And we started a couple of weeks ago with Pastor Jason, who is God, the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as God's empowering presence. And many of us are looking at our lives and we're saying, what's wrong with my life? But the issue is not necessarily you, but the power source that you're trying to plug into. Many of us look for the things that we're trying, and we say, listen, I just need to get my life to work out, and if I could just connect to this, if I could just figure this out, and we've got self-help, and we've got do-it-yourself spirituality, and we've got techniques, and tips, and podcasters, and bloggers, but we don't, we're not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit himself. And this morning, I want us to look at what it means to say that God, the Holy Spirit, is actually God's empowering presence. That there's nothing about the life that God calls us to that runs on your own power. It doesn't run on the power of the state. It doesn't run on the power of the markets. It doesn't run on the power of your ingenuity. It runs only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? John chapter 7, we heard it read in Spanish. I'm going to read it in English to you now. It says this in verse 37, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted, All who are thirsty should come to me, and all who believe in me should drink. As the scripture said concerning me, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. Jesus said this concerning the Spirit. And those who believed in him would soon receive the Spirit, John saying. But they hadn't experienced the Spirit yet because Jesus hadn't been glorified. Well, after the cross and after the resurrection, in the Easter season, if you will, the very first Easter season, we skip over to the book of Acts chapter 1 and Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says in verse 8, rather you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now I think this is so important for us to recognize. Jesus is looking at these disciples and he's already said in John's gospel, the Holy Spirit is like a comforter who will come alongside you. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to do all of these things. But when Jesus is talking to this huddled group of confused and bewildered and probably still a little bit freaked out disciples, he says, wait in this room and you're going to receive nice, soothing little feelings that will make you feel better about yourself. (laughs) Wait in this room, gather together as believers because you just want to, you know, have warm and fuzzy things that will just inspire you to do better in life. Wait in this room because, listen, what we all need is a little bit of positive, uplifting messaging in our life. Jesus knows that the world he's sending them out to is going to require power from God. And friends, listen, I I don't know your reaction as you think about the world that we live in or this cultural moment or the shifts that we're experiencing. But can I say to you that if ever there was a time in history for the church, for Christians to lean in and say, hang on a minute, this is not cruise control time. This is not sit back and kind of take it easy, play church, have some nice games, sing some cute songs, have a little barbecue and call it good. It's this moment. This is the moment where the church needs to sort of come alive and come awake and say, God, only your power can give us the strength to do what you're calling us to do in this moment. We need your power to live this out. We need your power to be faithful to you. And so the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. The question we're going to ask ourselves this morning is what does the Holy Spirit empower us for? What is this power for? Now, there's several things. And next week, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. But today, I just want to say three things about what the Holy Spirit empowers us for. The first is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Paul says, so I want to make it clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed when speaking by God's Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not sure what you've heard about the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times, for a lot of Christians, the Holy Spirit is talked about like an optional extra credit. You know, so like you say, well, did you invite Jesus into your heart? You're like, yes. Uh, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You're like, I, I don't know what that is. Oh, well, you know, you just see about that. And even our language, calling it this baptism, it makes, gives you the impression that you need to receive something you don't already have. But Paul says you can't actually call on the name of the Lord without the Spirit working in you. In fact, if you're here in the room and you're like, I do confess Jesus as Lord. I've got good news. The Holy Spirit's already working in you. The Holy Spirit's already living in you. So my invitation to you this morning is not to receive something you don't have, but to allow the fullness of that power to be unleashed in you and through you for the world. That's what we're talking about. I'm not interested in second experiences. I'm interested in a life that is empowered by that Holy Spirit. But the first thing the Spirit does is number one, the Holy Spirit empowers us to confess Jesus. So if you're watching online or you're hearing in the room, you're like, well, I, I do confess Jesus. Great. You already know what it feels like for the power of God to work in you. But it doesn't stop there. Acts 1 8, we're gonna read the whole rest of that verse. It says, Jesus says, Rather, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now a couple things about this verse. That word witness is the Greek word martyro. From which we get our English word martyr. The idea was these followers of Jesus were going to testify. They were going to bear witness to Jesus' kingship. Even to the point of death. Rome had no power over the early Christians because they weren't afraid of death. They weren't afraid of what an oppressive regime could do. Listen, we see this happening on the other side of the Atlantic right now. We see that all empires advance with the threat of violence and death. And these early Christians said, but what if we don't fear death? What if we believe in the God who raises the dead? Then what do you you got? And they're like, we got nothing. (laughs) And not only... Does the Holy Spirit empower them to be a witness even to the point of not fearing death? But it says in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now I know we didn't brush up on first century geography before coming to church this morning. I'm just going to help you out. It goes like this in concentric circles. And what Jesus is saying is the effect of the Holy Spirit's work in your life is it's going to push you outward. It's going to take you beyond your nice huddles and your little group of your people. Listen, there's a lot of Christian voices today that are saying to us, just find your people and do life with those people and that's all you need. Can I say to you that that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do? What the Holy Spirit is going to do is actually move you beyond your people and make you find some new people who you didn't think were your people but turned out to be your people and he's going to keep sending you out and out and out. In fact, a life that, if you're living a life that has forgotten mission and witness, if you're living a life that is overly comfortable with the same old, same old, it may just be that this is your moment to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to change that story for you. The second thing that we need to say about the Spirit and His power is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. To bear witness to the king and to the kingdom beyond Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. God is a God who is always on the move. God is a God who is sending us out. The Holy Spirit empowers us for this mission. I've, um, I, I've said this illustration and I always want to do it with kindness. We, we live on a street where a lot of doctors live and we're not, we're not far from a hospital. And there's a really sweet doctor on our street uh, who has some really wonderful cars. And uh, I actually one of my neighbors is in the room this morning. And so you, you'll know who I'm talking about. And, and they, they, have, they have a really nice Tesla. They have a Porsche. And they have a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. And the Lambo and the Ferrari are on a lift. So like, you know, one goes higher than the other. I mean, it's really, and they're really lovely people. If you happen to be watching this sermon, we love you. You're awesome. We're glad you're in the neighborhood. Because every Saturday is like a car show, you know. Like he, he'll bring down the car and park them on the curb. And all the kids are running out like staring at, the, at these vehicles, including me. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, the Lambo's out today, you know. And just checking. And every time I go and get the mail, I think, is the garage door up, you know. like And I just take a peek in there. But what's amazing is the hospital's like, you know, maybe 300 yards, 400 yards away from the house. So one day I saw him coming up the hill from the hospital to our street in his Lambo. And I was like, that's awesome, but the speed limit's 35. Like, I really hope that in the middle of the night, when no one else knows, he just pulls that thing out and just goes and opens it up on the highway somewhere. Because what a shame, right? <laughs> But this is, this is like us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has not been poured out to us so that we could have a shiny toy. The Holy Spirit was not given to the church so we could say, everybody, come and look at our church is so awesome. Our, my small group is so awesome. The Holy Spirit is poured out to us so we can go farther than we wanted to go. So that we can take the mission of Jesus with greater speed and greater power to further regions than we thought we would go. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. I love what's happening at Alpha, and I love the way Pastor Jay leads that, but Pastor Jay is not the pastor of evangelism at New Life Downtown. Like, that's all our jobs. That's all of our callings. And maybe the power of the Holy Spirit will help you see neighbors and friends and coworkers with different eyes. And you say, "Well, I, this, my Jerusalem is kind of my little home, my home's my little sanctuary, and I don't want nobody else." And the Holy Spirit's like, "Yeah, just pop that circle out just a little bit wider, just a little bit wider." Sometimes I, I think even for us at New Life Downtown, you know, when, when we get comfortable with a meal group, I'm like, "Well, I don't, I've had my same meal group for five years, six years, seven years." There's something beautiful about that. But there's also the risk that we just have sort of become a holy huddle. In what way is the Holy Spirit pushing you outward? Well, no, he's not doing that. (laughs) I remember even over the course of the years when when New Life Downtown would grow a little bit. We'd go through these growth spurts and people would be like, "Ah, it's getting too big. Well, take it up with God. (laughs) Because there's always the, the impulse of the Spirit is to push us outward and reach new people. Be a witness in further regions. John 3, verse 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee who's come to Jesus in the middle of the night. And he said, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. And Nicodemus said, How is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter into the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Yes, Nicodemus, it's impossible. I like the yes, yeah, isn't it? You know, like, am I missing something? No, you're not missing it. But Jesus said, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he's talking about baptism and the Holy Spirit. It's not possible to enter into God's kingdom. So there's something about the Spirit that starts something new in us, makes us a new people, a new creation, new birth. And then Romans 8, Paul picks up on that metaphor and he says, you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you again, back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. And with the spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are also heirs and we are God's heirs. We are and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can be glorified with him. What we're meant to see is that the power of the Holy Spirit is the power to be a new creation, <laughs> Is the power to not just have a new start, but to be given a new life, a new heart, a new birth. Is kind of our best metaphor for it. But then Paul says this in Philippians 1, 12-13. Therefore, my loved ones, just as you always obey me, not just when I am present, but even more while I am away, carry out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if we just stopped here, this would be consistent with every version of churchianity you've heard of. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Just Christians telling us to behave better, do better, try harder. Here we go. But that's not all Paul says. The very next verse he says, Because God is the one who enables you both to want, to desire, and to actually live out his good purposes. You ever had that, that memory as a child or maybe as a parent where you gave a kid a gift at Christmas or their birthday and it was this super awesome toy that they'd been really excited for, and then you read on the box batteries? Not included. And you're like, did you get the battery? I thought you got the battery. Well, ah, who got the batteries? We're supposed to get the batteries. We imagine that the Christian life is just a life of self-improvement. Again, plugging into a power source that just won't do. In the Old Testament, the Feast of Pentecost became connected with the giving of the law. The giving of God's instructions. But in the New Testament, Pentecost is that moment where God pours out Gives not just the law, but the Spirit. Not just the instructions, but the power. And that's what we're trying to say is thirdly here, the Holy Spirit empowers us to actually become like Jesus. To actually become like Jesus. Speaking of things that we think is sort of extra credit, right? We sort of think, well, I mean, Glenn, I believe in Jesus. Like, that's fine, right? If my life is different or not different, does it really matter? I still get to go to heaven, right? Well, you're missing the power of this. You're missing the points of this. God's whole intention of bringing you into this new family is to give you, is to bring you up into maturity. C.S. Lewis's mentor, Gordon McDonald said, God is easy to please but hard to satisfy. It's easy to please. Every mother in the room knows this. Your little baby, you're like super pleased at the smallest thing they do. Like, oh, look at that. What did they do? They blinked. Oh, my gosh. Like, go, okay. They cooed. They cried. They did this or that. But if teenagers act like toddlers, we're like, yeah, there we got problems. Some of you don't look at your teenagers right now. Do not do it. We, our hope is that what begins with a birth carries on into maturity and growth. And so it is with us. The Holy Spirit actually empowers us to become. Like Jesus, we know that this doesn't happen overnight. We know that this isn't a magic wand, this isn't like, well Glenn, can I just get someone to lay hands on me and pray for the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden I'll be different? Look, there are some things that really do get jump-started in power ministry of laying on hands and all of that. And it's meant to really just jump-start a longer journey of transformation. Every week we come to the Lord's table, Christians call that a sacrament. Sacraments are that moment where we think of the material world becoming like a sign pointing to the spiritual reality of God at work. In a very real way, that's how spiritual transformation occurs. It's a sacramental power of God working in us, but working with us. It means we've got to join God in that. Some of you are saying, well, I want the power to become like Jesus. Great. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray about what changes might need to occur in your life. Maybe it's different friend groups. Maybe it's different habits. Maybe it's less time on video games or Netflix. Maybe it's more time in the Word. Maybe it is a Bible study or a small group. Maybe it is different patterns for how you start the day and end the day. Not because we're trying to work and earn our salvation, but because we're trying to participate with the power of God that is trying to change us. Amen? I want that. We want this power to work in us. And maybe it feels like an uphill fight to be free of the addictions. Maybe it feels like two steps forward, one step back. You're covered in the grace of God through all of it. But don't stop welcoming the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we close this morning, the worship team would come. If the Holy Spirit is a person and a power, and last week, a couple weeks, Jason has talked about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, the Lord, the giver of life. The abiding presence, the guiding presence, the reminding presence, the teaching presence. If the Holy Spirit is a person, we need regular contact with a person, right? You know the difference between a friend you had 20 years ago and a friend of 20 years? Contact, communication, communication. The friend that you had 20 years ago, you see each other, you're like, oh my gosh, it's been, for how, how are you? And Oh, it's so great. And you're like, I oh, remember way back when in college or blah, blah, blah. And you're having this chat. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, now, now what else do we talk about? You run out of stuff to talk. Because there hasn't been contact. This is why e- even the language of baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to leave you with the wrong impression that so long as you can check the box, you're done. That's not how the Bible talks about it. Do I want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, every day. Every day. The friend that we've been in contact with for 20 years is the one that we know. And maybe this is new for you. You're like, what does that even look like? Maybe it looks like waking up tomorrow morning and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Come fill me today. I need you today. I want to know you today. Walk with me today. Go with me in my car today. Go with me through carpool today. Holy Spirit. If he's a power, we also need regular contact. You know that panic feeling when you wake up in the morning and you forgot to plug in your iPhone the night before? And you're like, oh, it's going to be a rough day. I'm only on 20%. I'll pray for you. We wouldn't let our phones live. With that, we want this contact. I need this power. Someone said, well, if we have the Holy Spirit, why do we need to keep asking him to fill us? Does he leave? I think it's more that we leak. I think it's more that we find ways of uh, disengaging. And the regular contact with the Holy Spirit as God's empowering presence is a way of saying, God... I can't go into this day. I can't be a good mother today without your power. I can't be a good father today without your power. I can't be a good worker today without your power. I can't be a good friend today without your power. I can't do anything that you have called me to be and to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Live with that kind of desperation. Live with that kind of hunger. Live with that kind of leaning into the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, I, don't, I don't really know how to do that. If you stand with me, I want to read this... Passage that Paul says, stand with me and I'll read this from Ephesians 5. Paul says, Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. He's saying, Look, if you're chasing transcendence through some other means, another dopamine hit, another adrenaline rush, if you're chasing it there, just know that that's not the power source that's going to actually work. But instead, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I love the way the CEB says it in the following ways Paul's going to say I'm going to make this real simple real pastoral for you here's how we welcome the ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit we do it when we speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs we do it when we sing and make music to the Lord when, we, when the worship team's up here they're not performing for you this isn't like service music where we're supposed to say you know what Jen's heart is for us as you know what brian's heart is, is for all of us to say thanks for leading us i met god as you were singing i was filled with the spirit as we were singing with you making music in your heart to the lord always giving thanks to god the father for everything anytime you open up your lips in gratitude you're welcoming the infilling of the spirit and submitting to each other out of respect for christ anytime you seek peace and repentance and forgiveness and humility in your relationships with one another you're welcoming the holy spirit some of you in your home you need to think about that gosh i've been i've been playing power games and that's not welcoming the holy spirit into my marriage you're right and this is a moment to change that and so this morning if you would all over the room just open up your hands before the lord and i want us to just lean in maybe this is new for you Maybe you've never known that God could be this close, this active, this powerful. I want you to experience that tonight. And maybe you have known this, but again, it, it's every day it's got to be new. Every day it's got to be new. Every day it's got to be new. So I want you just to pray a prayer that Christians have said from very, very early on. It's just this prayer that says, come Holy Spirit. And it's not because He's gone it's our way of saying, I want you, I need you, I welcome you. Spring up from within me, fall afresh upon me, breathe in me. So just say those words, say, come Holy Spirit. Yes. Now I want, you to, I want to invite you to think of a place in your life where you need the power of God. Maybe it is for healing, maybe it is for wisdom, maybe it is for strength maybe it is for courage maybe it is for reconciliation think of a specific area in your life that you need the power of God it's not going to work unless you have the power of God I'm going to count to three and I'm going to invite you to pray for that power out loud with your own words out loud with your own words here's the great thing about God he can hear prayers all at once okay so we're going to let a holy roar kind of rise up in the room are you ready I'm gonna to count to three and then you release your prayers to the Lord out loud. Here we go. One, two, three. Lord, we want your power. Strengthen us, to equip us, God, to equip us, Lord. to change us, God. to go with us, to equip us, God. encourage us, God. Come on, Lord. Come on. Lord.